Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, a platform that is completely and solely dedicated to industrial education and celebrating industry professionals all around the world. Because you're bold, you're brave, you dare greatly, you innovate, you solve problems, you collaborate, you're making the world a much better place. That's why we celebrate you on this platform. We're talking cybersecurity. Yes, you're saying to yourself, Scott, cybersecurity. You need to know about it. You need to know how important it is in your life. And it's with Rockwell, a gentleman by the name of Amik Hinman. And he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. The conversation is great. Paper and pencil Let's get a cracking. Yeah. You want to you, you wanna be digitally connected? You need to focus on that doggone cybersecurity side. Be protected. We need for you to succeed. That's what they're all about at Rockwell. You. Success. Again, why not celebrate? Let's celebrate all these wonderful leaders and professionals. Amic, one of them. And you're going to have all the contact information for this gentleman out there on Industrial Talk because you need to connect with him. How about that for a plug? Here's another plug. We have this, this platform, and, and it's because we're so dedicated and just passionate about education and the speed at which industry moves, especially today. We need a way of being able to actively educate from the leaders from around the world in all topics in industry so that you can succeed. Industrial Talk is that ecosystem. If you have a podcast, right? Let's say, Scott, I got a podcast. And I've had people talk to me about this. I have a podcast. And uh, it's out on the typical uh, platforms, typical podcast platform. Not getting much traction. Industrial Talk. We work very hard to drive uh, individuals and companies to this platform so that they can access the information they need. And it might not just be from me. It might be from other companies that have, you know, found out a solution that they want to share. That's what this is all about. So if you have a podcast, if you have videos, if you have blogs and you want attention, you want to gain uh, and help, help educate industry, inspire next generation leadership, Industrial Talk. So talk to me. Go out to industrialtalk.com and say, Scott, I'm interested. We have a podcast. Scott, we have videos. We want, we want to participate in this uh, media ecosystem so that we can get our message out as well as educate the future. Because I, I just, I, I'll be frank, we do a poor job at telling our story. We need to do a better job at that. We need to do a better job at inspiring the next leaders and why it's important to be involved in industry and why it is cool and why it is uh, something to pursue with vigor. That's what we need to do. And to do that, we need to educate. 
And because because you're part of the platform, you get to collaborate with all the other participants. Yeah, yeah. And I'll take care of all the other stuff. Industrial talk. If you're saying, Scott, I, I, I don't even know how to really edit it. Okay, I'm here. Just ask me. It is, it's important. All right, cybersecurity. Amic is in the hot seat. Great conversation. A, a must, paper and pencil. So enjoy this chat. Amic, welcome to Industrial Talk. Thank you very much for finding time in your busy schedule all the way up in Idaho and running some cybersecurity workshops. Is that, yep, is it workshops, that's really? Yep. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yes, listeners, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity because you need to know about it. That's how important cyber is. And I know you're saying to yourself, Scott, I, 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 you need to. And Amic is a uh, mad, has mad skills. So we're going to be enjoying it. So before we get into that, because you have mad skills, give us a little background on who Amic is and uh, where you come from. Yeah, I grew up in the Northwest, uh, North of Spokane, Washington. Uh, went down to uh, Washington State University, got my Bachelor of Science double E, and then went to work for Rockwell. So I've been with Rockwell for about 27 years, uh, focused on industrial control systems. So, uh, And then the last kind of five, really hyper-focused on our networks and cybersecurity products and solutions. Do you know where Grace Harbor's at? Yes. Yeah. I built a terminal in Grace Harbor. Oh, wow. A bulk liquid terminal. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I would uh, I would fly into Seattle, head south, turn right at Olympia, head toward yeah. the, the coast. Beautiful, beautiful. I like Spokane yeah. too. Beautiful stuff. All right, we're going to be talking about everything that we're going to be talking about is going to be cyber related and and specifically as it pertains to some standards. Give us just a a just a overview a quick overview a a primer to these standards that are coming out and why it's important how is it different you get the picture yeah on these standards yeah so there's there are you know standards and guidelines and we've we you know nist uh has has both um we also have standards like iec 62443 which are really the that's really the whole holistic you know the most holistic industrial control system standard out there um, a lot of manufacturers have adopted, a lot of customers have adopted, but that we talk about standards and guidelines, you know, they, they go back and forth. So NIST references 62443, 62443 references different NIST, uh, you know, standards and controls, you know, how to secure things. Um, so the one that uh, has been recently out for public comment is a NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, and you know that, and, and for clarification, yeah, NIST. That's how that's, that's NIST, correct, yeah. and that uh, stands for the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Continue. That's great. Yeah, and so there's a lot. There's many different uh, standards that NIST has. Um, they've got uh, standards and guidelines. Um, you know, there's there's one that's called 800-82R3 Initial Public Draft, and that's a it's like a 280 page uh, page document going through holistically how to secure, you know, recommendations and guides to secure industrial control systems. Um, you know, that standard also references a NIST cybersecurity framework. And that's the one that was, was is, is most, you know, it's out for public comment right now. Um, it's supposed to be ratified, I think, by November 3rd of this of this year. Um, and, the, and the big change that was made in from the, the 2.0 standard from the 1.1 
is really this adoption of governance and the wrapping around governance around that cybersecurity strategy. Uh, and you know the, the the different policies and procedures that we're we're trying to implement. We need we need to get that management buy-in in order to um, have an effective solution, right? Because you know, for example, yeah. today, and today we have you look at a majority of applications, they don't have an OT in the manufacturing space, an OT patch management strategy. You know, there's not a disaster, yeah. common disaster recovery strategy. We don't have, uh, you know, a cyber risk. Um, management a strategy for OT. IT has a lot of this stuff, but oftentimes that doesn't carry down to OT. So, you know, that that's the intent of, of that standard, really to get the common language, get the adoption from the management team. So they define what that risk, what is tolerable risk, and then we define our controls around that and, and make sure we get common adoption throughout the organization. So we're talking specifically, or in in general, this OTIT merge, because you're absolutely right. The OT side has always been, well, operations, and this right. is how we roll, and this is what we do, and this is how we keep the, you know, the wheels turning. But as we become more connected, and as we become more dependent on those controls being connected and the data associated with that, it's imperative that that, that change. And, right. and you bring up an interesting point about governance. Uh, does the standard, the, the the draft standard, the 2.0 standard, help manufacturers establish the governance? And like, here are the parameters, sort of in in general, and then you can sort of customize it to meet your needs. Yeah, it it, it is. It is. You know, we talk about it as the cybersecurity framework, and it really is that providing different categories and classifications. And within that, you know, the public document, the 2.0 out for comment, it, it has references to other NIST documentations where they talk about how do I implement controls or yeah. what is what does cybersecurity risk mean? And those get into very specifics on, you know, here's what you should do. So think of this really, that framework is really just providing a common language of how we reference this um, and how we start to classify this. And we need to go through a very methodical process when we're looking at, you know, uh, at, deploy, at deploying, you know, uh, controls in a uh, defense in depth manner. And, that, and we we talk about that, you know, for years, it's as much as I like a single solution like factory talk security or SIP security, that's, that's just one little aspect that's down at the application and device layer, but we need to layer on multiple controls. And those, those are those controls are all part of this classification within the NIST of the, in this case, the protect category. But there's there's a govern, there's identity, there's protect, there's detect, there's respond and recover. So those are the, the you know, really the um, six different categories that that are included in the new right. framework. <laughs> you rifled through it as I, I'm going, oh, oh my gosh, these are, these are points that we've got to sort of expand upon because here's the yeah, reality. The, the, I'm a manufacturer. Uh, it's it's new for me to be really thinking. Uh, I thought IT IT's dealing with all of the cyber stuff. Let IT deal with the cyber stuff and keep current and whatever that might look. And now, as we begin to go into that OT environment and and recognize that that's important, how does how does you Rockwell Automation take me on a journey to be able to be in to, to embrace these various layers 
tell us, walk us through that. Yeah, so so good question. It's typically started with, because we run into manufacturing systems that are, and, and, and companies that have been producing product, you know, for 20, 30 years, we've got some very, very, you know, or, or older than that, older, uh, and even, in fact, we've even got old control systems that are manufactured 30, 40 years ago that are still controlling processes in place, like a PLC-5, um, for example. Um, So part of the process is is going through and assessing what they have, right? Looking at that inventory, building out, um, you know, understanding what's there, correlating that inventory to the, you know, latest vulnerabilities, understanding what controls are in place. Are there firewalls in place? Do they have segmentation between their enterprise zone and the manufacturing zone? Do they have an OT intrusion detection solution or were they just doing that at the IT side? You know, do they understand... Right in the IT side, just FYI, right. I guarantee you. Right. right, so it's 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 basically just you know that assessment process is typically where we start to really get an understanding of what they're doing today, and then you know understanding how that aligns with the goals of the organization, um, and then you know associating that with with dollars that are available to to go after and 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 you know potentially mitigate in some cases upgrade if they've got legacy equipment that's no longer available you can't patch it that type of thing so what i hear you saying if if this is correct when i go through the assessment phase what do you got and and that's really what it is and you're able to identify some vulnerabilities is it possible for me to say okay i've got this amount of money available to to help move this business or move this process forward Mm -hmm. Uh, can i do it incrementally do you sort of categorize or prioritize saying don't let that one go versus yeah "Eh, that's okay for now that's not but don't you know yeah yeah exactly that's part of that assessment process so there's there's something called kind of this crown jewels assessment so you understand you know what is the Uh, most critical asset in your facility and you know if i have my air supply for the entire facility go down um and that's you know and that where that system goes down and it affects the entire process well and it has a legacy control system on there that's not protected at all, well, that's probably going to be one of the ones we're going to want to target right away, right? So, yeah, most companies don't have, you know, unless it's a greenfield facility where you're starting from scratch and you've got capital, you know, already allocated, it can't come in and and do all this all at once. So, yeah, definitely we're working with them to identify most the most critical assets, kind of build a strategy in place to say, and here's a plan, We'll do this incrementally. We'll address this space. We'll do some segmentation. We'll put in the right products in place, like you know the switches, so we can we can monitor and tie that into an OT intrusion detection solution, and then just kind of build upon that. See, it seems to me that that there's a there's a really neat dovetail marriage that can exist between my asset management reliability strategy because I'm going to have my asset criticality. Hopefully, I'm. I've got my asset criticality laid out like that motor is more important than this motor and so on and so forth. And then be able to overlay that with uh, your assessment of saying, yep, that's an important motor. And if that goes out, it's because, well, whatever it might be, and we're pulling off, it's connected in some way, shape or form. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And and that part, that's part of that asset strategy to, and making sure you have, you've got the the backup for that program, right? So that's part of the assessment to evaluate, you know, I'm 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 still surprised. I mean, depending on the manufacturer, there there are some systems where they don't have 
an effective backup and change management program. So if that system has, you know, is infected with ransomware, we've had this happen, you know, manufacturing is a, you know, in some cases, number one target for ransomware because of unpatched operating systems and applications. And, and in several cases, they might have a backup, but they failed to make a backup of the backup, right? If I've got, if I'm leveraging one of our products called Factor Talk Asset Center, which is a way to check in and check assets, I can schedule and go perform an upload and insert it in the database. That's that's a fantastic solution. But if I don't back up my asset center database, which is a SQL database, and that gets affected by ransomware, now I got to rebuild everything. And we've had that happen to a couple of customers, unfortunately. See, but you're bringing up an interesting point. So it's it's one thing to provide an ass, uh, an assessment of my operations. That's great. It's good. It's necessary. Got to make it happen. But the other side of that coin is sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's sustaining that effort, right? Right. How do you how do you work in the world of change? <clears throat> excuse me, world of change management to ensure that this is a this is a long term commitment. This journey. How do you how do you work with that? Well, so some of that goes back to the the requirement on governance. So, you know, we have if I if I don't have policies and procedures in place saying, you know, thou shalt use asset center to manage your you know control system you know all your changes you know your agnostic uh, check in and check out programs then i'm going to um you know if i don't have policies and procedures in place some people want to follow it right so having that governance that management buy and saying here is how we will manage our changes and then providing visibility in tor- in terms of you know reporting and, and we've had a lot of that integrated and there's ways to exfiltrate that data and centralize, you know, so I can see, hey, show me what changes have been made from plant one to plant two, my vulnerabilities that are associated with that, and the longevity status of those those assets. Um, so, you know, providing that visibility to enforce the governance, you know, the saying, hey, yes, they are following it. Um, I, I think both of those really kind of go hand in hand to make sure that that system is sustainable and, and, and maintained. How do you combat that having having insights into your into your ot environment and just business as usual and then things just happen how do you programmatically have insights into your assets and ensure that uh, the proper firmware security whatever it might be how do you keep current with that well, so the, so one of the best ways to do that is is if I'm passively detecting. There's a combination of passive and active right. scans where where I'm I've I've got an OT specific intrusion detection solution. So you know Rockwell delivers Clarity, Cisco CyberVision, uh, Sun Dragos, um, and and ah. right. So we we have we would deploy that in the OT space where I'm I'm capturing that traffic. I know what what is normal activity. Um, we we can you know there's signature base and heuristics so we can determine if there's deviations from baseline if that engineer has never downloaded to that controller before we'll flag you know that'll get flagged um, and as part of that you're gonna you'll be able to see that OT specific traffic understand the firmware versions that are that are being yes. used and then correlating that to the latest vulnerabilities so that's probably the best way to do that now there's some cases where I can't actively I'm, uh, you know, uh, passively scan that network and see all those different devices. A prime example is if, uh, you know, our control logics chassis, it's, it's a chassis based, 
one Ethernet card, I've got a backplane, and I've got another card. I might have some sub-networks there. That data is never traversing that switch where I'm monitoring it. I'm not going to have visibility. So, you know, sparingly, we would do some protocol-specific active scans to discover those assets. And so, in combination with that, if I've got, you know, good coverage, then I'm going to have ability to stay on top of that firmware, what's out there, and again, correlate that dynamically to the latest vulnerabilities. You, you, you briefly, and I, and we, we hammered on the assessment side and what to do, yeah, and, yeah. and I love it because I always look at the people. I just, it, it's, it, yeah. I never really, I, I never stumble on the technology. It's always sort of how you, in, in the world, from my perspective, in the world of manufacturing in cyber, it's always gets down to the people. Can you, you briefly mentioned it, you rifled through it briefly, the, it was seven. So take us through those seven oh, yeah. points. Even as far as the, the different categories? Yes, yeah, the layers. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so when 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 I present, in fact, I, I did this this morning with, with a bunch of customers um, presenting the NIST cybersecurity framework. And, and we talk about uh, and align that NIST framework to really that attack continuum, you know, that before, during, and after. And within yeah. those classification before, it's that really identi identify and protect. You know, the, the during is that detect, and the after is respond and recover. And as a wrapper, I like to show it as a wrapper, uh, you know, around that is the governance piece that's part of the 2.0 framework. This, if you take a look at theirs, they put they put it kind of in the center, but I really think it really should be on the outside. And so in, in my infographic that I use, I, I, I show that as, is really the the outside and in, in managing the policies and procedures that support those different areas, and so so let me and, and then there's different controls within each one of those areas. Yeah. So we've got before, during, and after, and under under before you ID and protect. Right. During is governance. No, during I can detect. Okay. So I'm detecting it. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Right. Yeah. And then and after, uh, after respond, respond and recover. Recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Question I always get uh, that is always a uh, if I'm a manufacturer and I've got my my policies and things are in place and I'm properly protecting, then I'm detecting or protecting and detecting. Is there a way that I can sort of in a in a in a community way to be able to share? Like, hey, hey, this is sort of a, a new thing that we saw over here. This is how we, uh, you know, recovered from it. This is where mm -hmm. the, you know, do, do you get what I'm saying? Is there a, like a body that says, yeah, ah, okay, that's new? Because it always changes. It's right. Always changes. And, yeah. And and so there are different, um, you know, th uh, groups out there that, that provide that as a service, the, you know, the threat intel to say, uh, you know, yeah. here's the tactics and techniques and procedures that this ransomware group is utilizing. And by the way, they're attacking, you know, this specific, um, they're going after critical infrastructure and targeting, you know, energy or food and beverage. And um, and so that we can incorporate that threat feed into the protection systems and detection systems so that you can be alerted based upon some tactics and techniques that you're starting to see and see you can attribute that to that specific group and and hopefully mitigate that 
So what I see is a, a, a picture, a picture that we have in place, strategies around before, during, and after. We have the systems in place to be able to be more proactive, uh, be, uh, have that uh, passive and active assessment or uh, identification within your operations. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the role of the governance body what what are some of the rules of saying, hey, we, you, you come together and it's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We've got everything in place. Everything's identified. Or what? Give, take us through a little role play on the, on the governance, what, like what they do. Yeah, so so the governance, NIST classifies those in, in different categories. You know, they start with this organizational context and risk management strategy. There's a supply chain piece mm-hmm. of that. There's roles and responsibilities and authority, and and then there's then it comes down to the policies and procedures and oversight. How how are we going to enforce this? Um, so, it, it it you know really depends on what we're talking about. If we're if we're looking at you know patch management, which is what I I tell customers, hey, we got to pre- segment the networks between IT and OT, manage and monitor that, restrict the data flow, and deploy a patch management strategy. Come up with a patch management strategy, and that those in combinations would mitigate a lot of the ransomware that we're seeing affect um, in the control system. So that patch management requires a policy and, and procedure and process. How are we going to do that in the OT space? Because patch management is totally different in the OT space than IT. And we talk oh. about, right? So, you know, typical IT, you have the CIA, the confidentiality, integrity, availability, and that's reversed on the OT and manufacturing side, right? Availability, integrity, and confidentiality. So we have critical systems, some are life safety systems that have to run 24 seven, 365, right? You can't just deploy a patch on that. So now I got to deploy some mitigating controls around that. So you have to have that kind of baked into that policy and procedure and, and develop a patch management strategy specifically for OT. So that's where that kind of governance comes into play. Right now, oftentimes we see that there's not, it's it's really up to that engineering manager or maybe that person that's responsible for maintaining that, how they're going to protect that. And that's not going to be consistent from facility to facility or even within the facility, right? You know, for lack of a better term, if I had didn't have my headphones on, my ears would be bleeding yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot, but it's, it's, it's manageable, meaning... If I if I find myself aligning with Rockwell Automation in this particular conversation, the only way I know that I'm going to be able to effectively, you know, manage what's going for what's what's happening out there in the cyber world, I have to find trusted cyber experts. I, I right. there's no other way, and keep me manufacturing guy doing what I do best and that's manufacturing and, and allow the technology and the policies and procedures to do what they do best. And that's keeping my business up and running and protected. That's how I see it. Yeah. And it could be incrementally, right? It doesn't have to be big bang. So that's correct. I, I, I I don't know, man. This is good stuff. It's, it's a challenge. And and, you know, to that point, the the oftentimes we see the OT side, if the company's big enough, 
hiring somebody specifically to manage security and be that also that liaison internally between the OT and IT side. Sometimes that that expertise comes from the enterprise side and you know then they have to basically be taught OT and what's different and how it's unique. But but uh, even that one person, even though they're allocated and, and, and assigned to that, there's just so much to know. They cannot, they gotta have to basically rely on outside sources to help. So I was just gonna say, this is sort of a really clear example of a managed services right. sort of relationship because if if I if I brought somebody on board and and that individual probably has the chops that are necessary for you know today it's the dynamics of the market where if 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 it's a rockwell automation you just you, you get you get all that greatest latest and greatest information where I I might be just an island so right. it's a great managed services model. Right. And we do that for customers, regardless of whether they're Rockwell or uh, we manage other assets that are non-Rockwell. So it's, it's yeah. uh, it, you know, um, rarely is it all Rockwell. I mean, in some cases, it, like I said, on a greenfield facility, sometimes, you know, we're working with closely with the customer and they want to standardize, minimize fares, minimize training requirements. Then, it, you know, then, then majority of that facility is Rockwell, but oftentimes you have a mix, right? So we have to be oh, able to yeah. support that. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna let them hang. You're like, hey, yeah. I'm sorry, we noticed that 20% <laughs> of your asset base is uh, Rockwell, and you're all, you're on your own for the 80. You know, yeah. no, that's not gonna that's not gonna fly in any any uh, situation. All right, as we wrap up, somebody's listening out there. They want to know more about NIST. They want to know more about uh, how to properly protect uh, their business. How do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, they can reach out. That's probably the easiest way is just find me on LinkedIn and reach out yeah. that way. Um, and then we can we can touch base with chat and provide additional contact information there. But if you just do a search for Amik, it's A-H-M-I-K, last name Hindman, H-I-N-D-M-A-N. You'll find me on, on LinkedIn. And well, fear not, listeners. I'm going to have Amik's uh, LinkedIn link out on Industrial Talk, so you, you don't you, you don't give me an excuse that you can't get a hold of him because it's out there. <laughs> Industrial Talk, yeah. big time. You are absolutely wonderful. Love the conversation. There's a lot more to be chirped about about oh, uh, cyber. I don't know how time. you keep up with it. I don't. I don't know. And and again uh for me personally if i'm a manufacturer i just really just want that to be taken care of and that i can sleep at night knowing that my assets are properly protected and and i don't have too much there's no friction on my end that's all i care right. about yeah excellent all right listeners we're gonna wrap it up on the other side we're gonna have all the contact information for Amic out on industrial talk stay tuned we will be right back you're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. Kaboom. Amic, right there. Reach out to him. His LinkedIn uh, stat card is out on industrialtalk.com. So make sure that you do the right thing. And on your to-do list, reach out to Amic. Rockwell is the company. Yeah. Yeah, rock one. Absolutely. All right. Again, let me just reiterate this. We need to tell our story. We need to tell our story in a way that is engaging. 
Industrial Talk is the platform. You have a podcast and you want greater traction to it, Industrial Talk. You have videos, you want people to watch it, Industrial Talk. Be a part of the ecosystem, this media ecosystem. It's easy. You just reach out to me and say, Scott, I want to be a part of it. There. That's the process. Nothing more, nothing less. Then we start working together, and then we start to gain that traction that you need. Be bold, be brave, dare great. Hang out with Omic. Change the world. We'll have another great conversation shortly.